Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and gift mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customize paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Tonight, prices surge at the fastest pace in more than three decades. How long will you pay more for gas, food, and cars? The supply chain chaos hitting your wallet. Frustrating Americans as inflation only gets worse. The big concern tonight, price hikes are wiping out wage gains. Plus, President Biden promises to fix America's broken supply chain. Kyle Rittenhouse sobs on the stand. The teen accused of murdering two people at a protest breaks down. I didn't do anything wrong. I defended myself. But as the judge snaps at the prosecution... Don't get brazen with me. The defense moves for a mistrial. Andrew Cuomo under oath. What his testimony revealed after being grilled by investigators. Why he said he would have to lose his mind to grope someone in the governor's mansion. New terror alert. The warning tonight for Americans heading to mass gatherings over the holiday season. Lengthy prison sentence. New details tonight about the former MMA fighter and gym owner who punched a Capitol Police officer during the January 6th riot. What his jail time means for the QAnon shaman. And honoring our heroes. For the first time in nearly a century, the public lays flowers at the tomb of the unknown soldier, including this 96-year-old World War II veteran. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you so much for joining us. We're going to begin tonight with the rough road to recovery for America's economy. Inflation, which essentially means high costs and lower buying power, continued to surge last month with prices rising at the fastest pace in more than 30 years. It comes as companies struggle with a logjam supply chain and a nationwide labor shortage. The Labor Department's Consumer Price Index jumped more than 6% in October from last year. It was the fifth straight month in which inflation surged 
surged more than 5% year-over-year. Americans are now paying more for shelter, food, fuel, medical care, cars and trucks, and many other goods and services. And much of this is being blamed on the pandemic. Adding to the problem, costs are continuing to rise at a faster pace than hourly earnings. We have two reports on issues that impact your wallet, beginning with CBS's Anna Werner in San Francisco. Good evening, Anna. Good evening, Nora. Ask anybody who's come to buy a car, and they're likely going to tell you that the one they wanted was tough to find, and it's likely more expensive. It's a measure of an economy where consumers are suffering the effects of higher inflation. Heading into the holiday season, Americans are getting squeezed. Drivers now face gas prices nearly 50% higher than last year, roughly $1.30 more per gallon. Indianapolis's Suzanne Murphy now spends $73 to fill up her van. We're just trying to curb uh, spending in other areas so that we can afford to uh, fill up our tanks. It's not just the gas. New car prices are up over 9%. Used cars, some 26%. And in the grocery store, prices for meats, poultry, fish, and eggs have risen more than 11%. Steaks soared 24%. Bacon up 20%. I definitely do see a change in the price. All this as average hourly wages have actually fallen. CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger. It is a confluence of bad timing. We have enormous problems with our supply chain. And when you put rising demand and constrained supply together, you get inflation at a pace that we have not seen in three decades. Shortages of materials and choke points in the supply chain could make for a pricier holiday shopping season. And keeping warm will cost more, too. Higher fuel costs are expected to mean that nearly half of U.S. households who heat with natural gas will pay 30 percent more this year. Energy companies had cut back on investment in production because of the pandemic and are now struggling to keep up with demand. And there are real concerns about, is there enough global supply to meet demand? Analysts warn these prices could continue through the holiday shopping season. Almost every part of the Thanksgiving holiday season, Christmas, Hanukkah, everything is going to be more expensive. To give you another example from here on the car lot, the price of a used car on average has gone up over $6,000 over the past year. It's now about $29,000, Nora. Anna Werner, thank you. As Americans pay more pretty much everywhere, all eyes are on President Biden and what could be his presidency's biggest economic problem. U.S. stocks closed lower today, reacting to those concerning inflation numbers. We get more now from CBS's Weijia Zhang. President Biden today touted his infrastructure bill at the Port of Baltimore, but acknowledged a major concern for Americans. Costs are rising. Many people remain unsettled about the economy, and we all know why. They see higher prices. They go to the store online, or they can't, or they go to the store or go online, and they can't find what they always want. The congested supply chain has helped drive prices up. The infrastructure bill includes $17 billion to revitalize coastal, inland, and land ports. But it's unclear how that could immediately help the massive backlog at West Coast ports, where 81 container ships are waiting to unload goods this week. Congestion has slowed deliveries and triggered worries about holiday shopping. Suddenly, when you go to order a pair of sneakers or a bicycle or Christmas presents for the family, 
Small business owner Constance Benham runs a clothing store outside Houston. I'm calling to check on my back orders. For- She's had to wait up to 10 months for shipments to arrive, leaving some shelves empty and forcing her to make tough choices. It just kills me to have to charge my people more money. But if they're charging me, then I have to turn around and charge my customers. So that's been a, that's been a huge problem lately is that my freight is really high. There's not a day or a minute that goes by that I don't think about it. Um, it's constant. Rising prices are obviously a political challenge for the administration, too. The White House insists that this situation is short-lived, but the Federal Reserve predicts that supply shortages and increased costs will last well into next year, with midterm elections on the horizon. Nora? Weijia Jang, thank you. Well, it was a day of tears and anger at the murder trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. The teenager in a high-stakes gamble took the stand in his own defense today and opened himself up to grilling by the prosecution. CBS's Nancy Chen has the latest from the courthouse in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The person that attacked me first threatened to kill me twice. Kyle Rittenhouse took the stand today in his murder trial, claiming he acted in self-defense. But it didn't take long for the 18-year-old to break down during questioning. There were three people right there. You can uh, just relax for a minute, sir. The judge calling for a break so he could calm himself. Rittenhouse's mother, seated nearby, was also in tears. Once the trial resumed, a more composed Rittenhouse said he was acting in self-defense when a protester, Joseph Rosenbaum, ambushed him. As you see him lunging at you, what do you do? I shoot him. And how many times did you shoot? I believe four. Rittenhouse says he took off running for police as protesters chased him, eventually falling to the ground. Rittenhouse then shot and killed another man, Anthony Huber, after he says Huber hit him in the head. He grabs my gun and I can feel it pulling away from me and I can feel the strap starting to come off my, my body. And what do you do then? I fire one shot. At that point, Rittenhouse shot a third man, Gage Grosskreutz, who was standing over him with a gun in his hand. Why were you trying to get to the police? So I didn't do anything wrong. I defended myself. On cross-examination, the prosecutor tried to paint Rittenhouse as an armed threat. Mr. Rittenhouse, you're telling us that you felt like you were about to die, right? Yes. But when you point the gun at someone else, that's going to make them feel like they're about to die, right? That's what you wanted him to feel. No. But the trial was stopped twice after a line of questioning by the prosecutor angered the judge. I said you were over the line, close to, or over the line on commenting on the defendant's pretrial silence, which is a well-known rule. CBS News legal analyst Ricky Kleeman says calling Rittenhouse was a risky decision. The second you put a defendant on, Everything about that burden of proof psychologically goes out the window for the jurors. And the only thing they think about is did they believe the defendant? And the defense asked for a mistrial with prejudice based on the prosecution's questioning. The judge is still considering that. But if he agrees, this trial would be over and Rittenhouse could not be charged again. Nora? Nancy Chen, thank you. Well, today, a New Jersey man was sentenced to the longest prison term yet for his role in the January 6th assault on the Capitol. CBS's Nicole Killian tells us about the gym owner, whose brother was reportedly a Secret Service agent for Michelle Obama. 
This is the punch that landed 44-year-old Scott Fairlamb behind bars. The ex-MMA fighter pleaded guilty earlier this year to assaulting a police officer during the Capitol riot, one of roughly a 1,000 attacks on law enforcement January 6th. Today, Fairlamb was sentenced to nearly three and a half years in prison, tearfully telling a judge, have mercy on me, while his attorney argued he no longer holds the same beliefs that inspired him to take part in the riot. He does not think that the election was stolen, and he has a different ideology. It's the stiffest penalty imposed since the attack, but prosecutors want even more jail time for the QAnon shaman, pressing for at least a four-year sentence for Jacob Chansley, dubbed the flag bearer of the mob. Former President Trump contends the insurrection was just a protest. He's appealing a federal ruling that would allow the National Archives to release more than 700 pages worth of his personal records to the House Select Committee, including White House call logs, videos, schedules, and handwritten notes from January 6th. Judge Tanya Chutkin rejected the former president's executive privilege argument and bluntly stated presidents are not kings and plaintiff is not president. If you take your issue to court and lose, uh, then you need to, to, to man up and deal with it and not be a spoiled brat. The committee says it urgently needs these documents, calling the potential harm to the public immense. A spokesperson for the former president says he intends to see this process through, which could potentially go all the way up to the Supreme Court. Nora. Nicole Killian, thank you. Tonight, Houston's police chief isn't ruling out criminal charges after that deadly concert over the weekend. And investigators are demanding key security information from concert organizers, which they have yet to turn over. We get more now from CBS's Lilia Luciano. A grieving community is demanding answers on how things went so horribly wrong and why so many warning signs were missed, ending in at least eight deaths and hundreds injured. Late today, Houston Police Chief Troy Finner responded, his first press conference in nearly four days. We're going to hold people accountable. We owe it to the city. We owe it to our nation. And we need to learn lessons from this. Chief Finner met with Travis Scott just before Friday night's concert, expressing concerns about crowd control and Scott's social media messages. I had no reason to believe that it wasn't going to be safe, but um, I, I, I'm the kind of chief that I meet with people. I told you I met him twice. But like was it time, was the second yeah, time afterwards, yeah. or no, have you spoken to his team no, since? before the uh, concert. But over the years, Scott celebrated chaos and encouraged rage. One Instagram post, still active, expresses love for a fan whose face is covered in blood. While Scott briefly halted the show... We need somebody to help him. Somebody passed out right here. He played on, even after authorities declared a mass casualty event. It has to be a group. The ultimate authority to end a show is with production and the entertainer, okay? The chief also said that it was the role of Live Nation to secure two large mosh pits that were packed full with fans directly in front of the stage. And that he added later that as soon as CPR started being administered there, that police did tell those in charge of the event to shut it down. Nora. Lilia Luciano, thank you. Well, tonight we're learning a lot more about the sexual misconduct investigation into former New York Governor 
Andrew Cuomo. New York's attorney general released hundreds of pages of transcripts of Cuomo getting grilled about those accusations. Cuomo stepped aside down, stepped down rather, in August after the investigation found that he sexually harassed at least 11 women. We get more now from CBS's Jerika Duncan. Throughout the 11-hour deposition, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo was often combative with investigators and repeatedly denied inappropriate behavior. The 515-page transcript was released by the state's attorney general, Letitia James. She launched an investigation that found Cuomo groped, kissed, and made sexually suggestive comments to 11 women. Former Cuomo aide Brittany Camisso, who claims Cuomo groped her in the executive mansion, sat down with me for an exclusive interview in August. He put his hand up my blouse and cupped my breast over my bra. But Cuomo told investigators that never happened, saying it would be an act of insanity to touch a woman's breast and make myself vulnerable to a woman for such an accusation. I cannot go into any detail. The incident prompted a separate investigation by the Albany County Sheriff's Office, which filed a criminal complaint against Cuomo last month of forcible touching. The district attorney is now investigating. Let me be clear, that never happened. When asked if he's ever kissed any staff members on the lips, Cuomo replied, I kiss on the cheek. There may be an occasion where a staff member kissed me on the lips, but I kiss on the cheek as a rule. Another alleged incident involves an unnamed female state trooper on Cuomo's security detail who claims she was harassed and inappropriately touched. She told investigators, I felt like completely violated because to me, like that's between my chest and my privates. Cuomo's attorney criticized the state AG, saying she wants to prejudice people against Cuomo for a criminal charge that is pending. And, Nora, we also learned the final words Cuomo gave to investigators after that 11 hours of questioning. He said, quote, I would like to say it was a pleasure, but I'm under oath. Nora? Tarika Duncan, thank you. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. All right, a new terror alert was issued today as Americans approach the holidays. The Department of Homeland Security warns that mass gatherings and religious events over the next several weeks could provide targets and opportunities for violence. However, authorities caution there are no specific or credible threats at this time. The NFL has fined the Green Bay Packers $300,000 and two of its players for violating the league's COVID-19 protocols. One of the players is quarterback Aaron Rodgers, who has penalized nearly $15,000. Rodgers admitted to misleading people about his vaccination status after testing positive. 
For the first time in nearly 100 years, members of the public were allowed to lay flowers at the Tomb of the Unknown, one of the nation's most sacred sites. Tonight in our series, Honoring Our Heroes, we want to introduce you to a very special veteran who was one of the 13,000 to lay a flower. How many in your company? There was 132. How many survived? About eight or nine of us. 96-year-old Daryl Bush served in the Army during World War II. He was shot five times during the Battle of the Bulge in 1944. I thought one time I would be an unknown. I was one of the lucky ones. Today, he's one of thousands honoring the nation's fallen at Arlington National Cemetery. What went through your mind when you laid down a flower at the Tomb of the Unknown today? It's an honor. Was it emotional for you? It won't hit me till I get home. For two days, Americans came in uniform, brought their families. Some saluted, others hand over their hearts, and there was quiet. Except for the hourly chiming of bells. And the occasional playing of taps. Thousands of flowers placed as a thank you. And when the pile got too high, service members made room for more. I came with my parents. My father served in the Army for 30 years. An honor to lay flowers at a memorial created 100 years ago to commemorate Americans who died in war and their bodies never identified. Well, I kept thanking God that he was safe. Bush was able to come home to the love of his life, Dorothy, now his wife of 78 years. How do you give back? I think you treat other people the way you'd like to be treated. Even a little difference goes a long way. They are an amazing couple. We want to know about a veteran in your life, so use the hashtag HonoringOurHeroes to send us your pictures and tell us why that person is your hero, and we might feature them on tomorrow's evening news. Tomorrow we continue Honoring Our Heroes, taking a swing at Operation Double Eagle, a program that helps veterans. And if you can't watch us live, set your DVR so you can watch us later. That's tonight's CBS Evening News. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladaris. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.